Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. And release. All right. So um, I uh, kind of volunteered, well, I did volunteer to introduce Crystal, mainly because Crystal, I've actually known for uh, well around 20 years or so, and I had to actually just check that just because um, I, I was, yeah. So um, point is, is that there was um, about five years ago, she shared something at our old building on, um, on the east side, um, and it was pretty much her, sh- her story, or at least a, kind of a nugget of a story, because uh, Lucas... You had shared that same morning your testimony, and Crystal did as well. And, and I sat back there. I think I was sitting at the computer in the back that morning and just watching. And um, having kind of been in the back, or like kind of been in the audience of, of, in a sense, of watching Crystal's life to some extent, but in the back seats to, in a way. Um, I remember being at, the, at their wedding, uh, you guys' wedding, and um, missing out on the dance part of the reception, just so you know. Um, we had a yeah, six-month-old uh, baby that we needed to get home. Um, and But that morning, I just remember sitting there and watching and listening to Crystal talk about um, such a, uh, the, the redemption that has occurred in her life from being in the church and then being disillusioned in many ways. And, and then sitting there going, uh, uh, just celebrating and rejoicing in our Father's faithfulness and going, that's my Father. He's just showing up. Because statistically, statistically, when someone, um, you know, high schoolers don't usually, that, that leave church, don't unfortunately come back very often. So to see that happen and to see it happen in such a radical way, um, and to see where she's at today, it's just such a beautiful testament of his faithfulness in her life. And so I just celebrate that. Um, yeah, so come on up here, Crystal. Yes, applaud what, for what God has done. And uh, she's actually going to be talking more about this. I didn't know that. I thought it was really cool <laughs> that five years ago she told a little bit of a tidbit of her testimony. And then this morning we get uh, a lot more. So this yeah, is really exciting. Just praying God more than you bargained for through you. Thank oh, yes. Sure. Thanks, Keith, so yep. much. Tuck this in my back pocket. Good morning, you guys. Ah, oh, I just feel so like celebrations in the air this morning. It's been a while since I've been at corporate worship, and that was just so powerful. And then to dedicate Sam was so sweet. Lucas, we should just have a two person show, or we should just. Because <laughs> they seem to be up here. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, no, thank you. Uh, Yeah, as Keith said, I'm going to be sharing actually part of um, our testimony, mine and my husband's, which is pretty powerful and just changed the trajectory of our life in the most beautiful way. Um, But first, we are in this series, which I've been loving so much. Um, It's not up there. Hearing the Father, right? Listening to the Father. And I was excited that we were going to be doing this series because I had a lot of thoughts and ideas about it and my own personal experiences with him that I wanted to share. But I did something that I feel like was smart. And instead of going with my own instincts on what I wanted to talk about, I I decided to ask him, which I think is good. You guys didn't want me this morning. You wanted what he wanted, right? So I asked him, you know, God, if you had the microphone this morning, 
what would you want to invite us into? And I want to pause there too because that just came out of my mouth and I went, God, just thank you that you are the God of invitation. You are not a distant God, that you are constantly reaching your hand for us and inviting us into something. And that is so beautiful. And uh, of course, when you ask, he hears us. So he instantly gave me what he wanted me to speak about. And he just said, I want them to walk away with a deeper revelation of my love for them. And I was like, okay, all right, let's do that. And uh, what I really loved about that was that, you know, he was just reminding me that we think of, if you've been around the church for any length of time, you know that God is love, right? And that he is kind of like, yeah, God loves me, yeah, God loves me, yeah, God loves me. And he was very clear with me walking this out, that that is not milk, that is not starter food, that that is the stake of our life. So understanding this foundationally and getting deeper revelations of this is our walk with him forever. And it's powerful and it's transformative. And one deeper revelation of his love for us actually changes everything. And it continues to change and transform how we relate with him and how we relate to what we bring and how we relate to others. And so it's very powerful. So this is not, you know, basic level education for Christians. This is like it. And we're going to kind of dive into that more in the word. But I need, I need to pray because you guys don't want me up here. You want him. So let's just bow our heads and open our hearts to him. Father God, I just thank you so much that every time that we come before you and we engage in your invitation to us, which is constantly extended, you are right there with us, you hear us. And Holy Spirit, we know that you reside on the inside of us when we say yes to Jesus. We just invite you to have your way in our hearts individually. We welcome you to move and do what you wanna do this morning. And whatever that looks like, we just surrender. And we thank you for what you are about to accomplish today. We love you. In your name we pray, Jesus, amen. All right. So I was curious. I was kind of like, well, God, this is, I really have to connect this kind of to like hearing your voice, right? Listening to the Father. So I was like, well, can we connect that somehow? And he's like, it's everything. It's literally everything. It's, li it's literally how you hear me is understanding the foundational love. Because if we don't have that foundation for our relationship with him, we might get weird ideas. We might get ideas like, um, I need to do something before I can come into his presence and actually hear his voice. Or maybe he's really far away. Or ever, anybody ever felt that those things, right? Those are like real things that we feel. Or maybe legitimately I'm just a failure. And those things can really hinder and create a barrier between us and him. And the one that I think we think of like, well, maybe he just doesn't speak to me. I heard that before. And that is a lie. And that's not true. But when we have the foundation right, it does something else. So I already, already said this, but like, how does God describe himself in his word? He says, I am, come on. He's what? Love. Thank you. He is love. It's the foundation for everything. God is love. And he is the purest form of love. He's the agape love, selfless, absolutely the epitome of love. Not the Hollywood romance. He is like fire love, amazing. 
And so we're going to read scripture together this morning. We're going to dive in and pick this apart. It's going to be really fun. We're going to read Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. So you can turn there if you'd like. I'm reading uh, out of New King James for a hot second. And then we're going to switch. Um, but you guys can either close your eyes and listen as I read, or you can read to yourself, whichever is better for you. Is it up? Awesome. Thank you. Is that Dave back there? Thank you. All right. For this reason, this is Paul speaking, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted in love, rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. And I'm blessed by just that. Who wants that end part? Mm-hmm. Filled with the fullness of God. Okay, so we're going to back up. We're going to back up to verse 17 first. So verse 17 says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through what? Faith. Yes. I felt like it's important to highlight, and actually this is a huge part of my story that I'll be sharing with you, but I love that the word defines itself and for us all to be on the same page with what faith is and what the word says faith is. So we're going to go to Hebrews 11.1 1 for that. Hebrews 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So backing up, when it says faith is the assurance, it's actually talking about a confirmation. And I was like, Holy Spirit, help me to kind of like get that, like understand it. He's like, I know how I can relate to you. You know when you order something online? <laughs> I do that a lot. Um, when you order something online, you get a confirmation email. You know what I'm talking about? Like it's telling me, even though I don't have the physical product yet, I have a confirmation that it's coming or it's here. It's on its way. I own it already. It just needs to be shipped to me. So that's part of that assurance, that confirmation. Um, of things hoped for, and then when we move into, and the evidence of things not seen, it's basically a conviction of their reality before they're being physically present. So a way to sum it up is faith comprehends what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. And I love that. I'm going to say that again. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. So we can't experience it through our own, you know, right, our five senses, smell, touch, seeing, right? It is something out of that that we have to just believe in. Basically, I believe in it regardless of physical proof it exists. That's what faith is. So I'm going to go into, um, this is so awesome, my personal story, my testimony. And you guys, I was so blessed even just, we need to tell our testimonies more. And I don't have just one testimony anymore. I have a ton of testimonies, but this is the one I'm going to, I'm going to share with you today. We constantly have testimonies when we walk with Jesus, don't we? Oh, it's so good. Um, so I'm going to tell you this one, though, that was really important, and I'm going to back way up. Um, I'm, always, I'm always sharing way too much. It's all good. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, so uh, in my home life, when I was growing up, um, we were Christians. We were believers. Um, we went to a very um, conservative church, uh, and... Just to be totally honest, it was me, I have two brothers and a sister, and we went to church every Sunday, um, but our home life wasn't great. My mom had major mental illness. My parents' relationship was constantly broken and struggling, 
And there was legitimately just a lot of anger in our household. And I would call it rage, um, emotional abuse, physical abuse, just what, what that brings, anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, um, just a very broken home. And we grew up in that, and yet we said we love Jesus, which is, I believe, legitimate. And actually, I'll just be honest, that sowed a ton of seeds into my life, just knowing who Jesus was. So anyway, I grew up and continued to believe, um, went through high school, continued to believe, um, met Joe through our church, so we had a common belief in Jesus, and that was all great. Um, and I'm going to actually, Joe gave me permission to share part of his story as well. But that's just, that's like, we'll just put that back there. I promise we're going to get back to the scriptures too. But that's, this is like my biggest bunny trail. Just come with me. <laughs> so Joe grew up actually in a pretty, I would say a pretty, a pretty good home, right? Like pretty, like whatever, a, a nice home. Um, unfortunately, when Joe was 19, um, his father passed away due to mental illness. So he left this earth on his own choice. Um, way before, you know, way, way young, right? And that does something to someone. That causes a lot of pain. Uh, Joe would say at the time, he just kind of numbed out. He didn't know how to deal with it. So lo and behold, we meet each other, and we're going to get married. And that freaks Joe out, <laughs> to be quite honest. It was this life change. The lie that had been planted in his heart or the, the, what he was believing at the time was like, if my father, who was strong and capable, and the one person that I looked up to couldn't make it in this world, how am I going to make it? That was the lie that Joe was believing, we, that kind of uncovered later. But all of a sudden, um, what surfaced was severe anxiety-fueled depression. And we were going like four months out from our wedding date, and I'm like, what is happening? Joe is not Joe. You know, he's trying to figure it out. So we go through, you know, therapy, psychology, medication, okay, we're kind of stable, we get married, and then eventually just kind of evened out. Like he made it through that life change and he was okay, right? Um, so then we had another life change a few years later. <gasps> um, we were expecting our first child, and Joe just same, kind of totally same pattern, um, anxiety-fueled depression, uh, kind of had some struggles in that area. Same thing happened again, though. We had Charlie, and he kind of evened out. But same therapy, psychology, medication. I'm not against any of those things, but I'm just telling you our story. There was a root issue that wasn't being dealt with that was causing these downward spirals. And you guys, I feel for anybody who either struggles with severe anxiety and depression, like I have so much compassion and for the people that surround you, because it is, it is kind of like hell living in it. Um, and so that was our life, and at the time, kind of around the time Charlie was born, um, I had grown up, grown up uh, homeschooled, Christian education, creationism, didn't know anything about science really, to be honest. Like, I just didn't know about evolution and things like that, and both my brothers um, had started to get into atheism, and they were really, they were doing a ton of research, and we were chatting. Um, one of my brothers is like my built-in best friend, we're only 10 months apart, and he's my buddy. And so we would have a lot of these conversations surrounding this stuff. And I started going, huh, this stuff kind of makes sense. Can they? And in that time, too, our church kind of dismantled. Um, our community, anyway, just kind of fell apart. A lot of people walked away, so we weren't going to church. Um, and just our, I started thinking things like, well, maybe the word of God, can I really believe that it's infallible, 
that everything in there actually happened. You know, it was written by humans. Like this is, I'm just telling you my dialogue and what kind of slowly got me to where I was. And, you know, immaculate conception, mm, that's kind of interesting. You know, like stuff like that. And I just started thinking logically. This doesn't really make sense. But you're telling me that this, you know, like, the one thing I think that really stood out to me in all of um, that process when I started to like listen to other viewpoints was number one, I couldn't reconcile that there is a loving God and there are kids starving and people in trafficking and all this heartbreak. I just didn't have the theology to understand that. And so I was, I had walls up because of that. And then I remember specifically reading an article and you guys, I'm gonna say this, not with any, I, I don't mean any um, pressure, any like condemnation, that is not what this is about. But I do know that what we read, what we take in with media, um, what we listen to, it does affect us. We are, our hearts are literally ground, like it is soil. And so we're constantly receiving seeds. And sometimes that seed is really good and we want that to produce the right fruit. And sometimes those seeds don't produce the right fruit. You guys know what I'm talking about? Everything comes from here, it's conceived in our hearts. So I read this article, I thought it was very interesting. Um, it was basically talking about how humans have a need to fabricate the existence of a, of a supreme being. They, they need to fabricate God, basically, because it makes them feel more better, more important, like I have a purpose, whatever. So I, let, I, and I really let that take over my heart and I went, oh my gosh, I may have just fabricated every experience I've ever had because I so badly wanted to believe. And it shook me. And um, I know, I've even gotten up here and shared, I know I had experiences with Holy Spirit before then, but I totally chose to just go, that wasn't real. And so I stepped into atheism for a period of time and it was the most hopeless, depressing, terrible time. But I swung out there because I just struggled to believe anything other than that. And then I kind of settled in the, like, I kind of went through this like agnostic deist kind of like, Maybe he exists, maybe he doesn't, there's no way to know, and then maybe, I, I finally landed in, he has to exist because I feel like if I have no purpose and we weren't created for a purpose, that's just depressing. So I'm just gonna choose to believe that. But I didn't believe that he interacted with us. I didn't have any proof of that in my experiences growing up. I didn't see his healing, his power, his glory manifested in our lives. And so that's where I kind of sat. So bringing you back to our next life change, which was baby number two, <laughs> what happens again? Poor Joe. <laughs> Spiral, totally spiraling. At this time, we are not going to church. Joe is still a believer, bless his heart. He's hanging in there with me through this struggle. We are going to a community group that is run by Tracy and Kevin Fountain. And um, I'm going because I love Joe, but I don't believe in what they're talking about. I just don't. So um, I'm going because I love my, I have friends that I love there and I love my husband. And I just had this thing in my heart where like, God, I so, well, or not even God, I just, I told Tracy one day, I said, I just so badly want to believe. And she just, I just can't, I can't get myself there. And she said, well, you know, something you could pray, even though you may not believe that God exists is, God, if you exist, will you grow my faith? And I prayed that prayer for about a month because that was all I could pray. And I didn't even know if it was falling on deaf ears or not, but I really do think my will was involved and it opened up my heart for him, which you'll see, to be able to come in and, and move, move some things. So Joe was struggling and we had this relationship with some beautiful friends, Latoya and Tracy, and they had experienced some real legit healing 
through a prayer seminar that they went to, like legit, like physical healing, emotional healing, some stuff that Joe was dealing with, there was healing there. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm so, it's, so it's so embarrassing, but I was like, well, I don't believe in this, but this could be like a form of therapy because Joe believes in it. Like, I don't need this, but Joe does. <laughs> so arrogant. Anyway, um, I was like, well, let's have them over and we can talk about it, have them share their testimony, maybe it could help. Because you guys, I wasn't walking with Jesus at the time, and I had a two and a half year old. Joe was struggling panic attacks in the middle of the night. I was tired, and I had nothing else to draw from. I would have had more grace if I, had, I knew the Lord, but I didn't um, at the time. So I was just wanted to fix him. You know, everybody, anybody ever have that in relationships in your house? With him? Just fix him, okay, and then we'll be fine. Because I wasn't a mess. I was a mess. I was a mess. I'll tell you more about how messy I was. I was so messy. Okay. So um, we have Latoya and Tracy over. I didn't tell them I was sharing this today, but you guys are. Um, we have them over, and we're having dinner, and it's great. And I take Charlie to bed. She's two and a half, so she needs to go to bed, and we're going to talk about some stuff. And so I close the door to her room, and I step one foot in the hallway, and I immediately get hit with flu-like symptoms. Immediately have nausea, headache, feel like I'm going to, you know what? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant. I'm like, I, first of all, I can't take anything. That stinks because I'm pregnant. And I just have to, this is my thought process. I literally took one step and went, I'm going to have to tell them I got to go to bed and I'm sorry. And I went to round the corner and I heard clear as day, Crystal, listen to what they're about to say. This is important. And I went, oh, what was that? <laughs> I didn't believe in that. <laughs> So I round the corner, I look, so I'm a little terrified now. I, I'm sick, and I sit down, and I'm sure I look awful. I'm, I'm probably white. And I sit down, and um, Tracy looks at me and goes, are you okay? And I said, just go, just talk. Nothing super profound happened that night other than I had to lay in my bed that night and wonder what the heck that was. And it opened up my heart to go, okay, I think that there's something real here. And after that, Joe had received some prayer. And you guys, this prayer really isn't anything. It's really just replacing the lies with truth. We believe lies, right? Joe's core belief was, I, have, I should be afraid because I don't know if I'm going to make it, because I don't know if I have what it takes. And the truth is, through Jesus, you have what you need, and he's going to walk you through it. And there's just truth that counteracts the lie. That's basically what the prayer was. But Joe got prayer a few weeks later, and literally our household changed overnight. We woke up and the atmosphere for seven years felt different after seven years of a hardship. And I went, I want that, I need that, I need that. Because I didn't realize how much of a mess I was. Social anxiety, um, severe self-hatred. I could, we'd get ready to go, out, go to a friend's house and I'd get to the door and I'd be, honey, I can't do it, I just can't do it. I'd wake up in the middle of the night sweating. Like, how could I say that to that person? I probably sounded so stupid. And my brain all the time was just fuzz. I don't know if anybody's ever experienced that, but it is living hell on earth. It is just torture. And I think it kind of showed me how messed up I was. And I got prayer a few weeks later, and um, man, it just started the process of renewing my mind in a way that had never been so real. And it, we're actually, I can look back on that part of our life, I can look back on my life and say, I am not that person anymore because of him. And I think Joe can say that too. Yeah. So praise God. So um, getting back to faith, 
Amen, right? That deserves a celebration. He is so good. So um, getting back to faith. So I had to make a choice, though. I mean, I even think about, you know, that there are Pharisees that watched the miracles that Jesus did and still their hearts were hard. They still chose to not believe. They saw it in front of their own faces. So it is not about what we see with our physical senses, even if we were, some, I think sometimes we think if we went back and we saw the miracles, we would be easier to believe. It's not true, because we can make up excuses. So I had a choice to make. I'm gonna choose to believe in what I do not understand right now and walk in that. And I think we all have those moments, right? So getting back to that's what faith is, right? Faith comprehends us back what we cannot experience with our physical senses. So when the word is saying here that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that's how we get there, through what we cannot tangibly, we just believe it. And then it continues on in verse 17 that you being rooted and grounded in love, I love, I love that kind of Paul just assumes that, that you being rooted and grounded in love, right? Okay, good may be able to comprehend with all the saints. And I think that may is very interesting. It's not a sure thing. It's may be able to comprehend. And then he goes into fact, what is true. The width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ. So I'm going to stop here where it says in verse 19 to know the love of Christ and talk about um, the love of Christ, Christ, is actually the expressed image of the Father's love in form. That's how we can look at it. If we zoom out, um, you know, I think, okay, so I grew up in a church, and this is just, this is pretty normal. Um, so hang in there with me, because I will, I will clarify what I'm saying. Um, you know, I think we often think Jesus came to die for my sins and to save me from hell. And that is true but it's only part of what he came to do. And if we, don't, if, if we don't know the fullness of what he came to do, it, it can make us respond differently to him. So if we zoom out, that's just part of the story. Jesus came to restore us actually as sons and daughters. He didn't just come for that part of it. He came to restore us as sons and daughters, what had been lost and broken. And I don't know about you, but that changes the way I relate to him when I have that. We are no longer orphans. When we say yes to Jesus, I'll clarify that. When we say yes to Jesus, which I think I'm speaking to the crowd, we no longer are orphans seeking forgiveness or just um, trying to uh, you know, appease our existence. It's not our reality anymore. We are actually sons and daughters. I love thinking about it, how God sees us as the diamond in the rough, but he doesn't see the rough. He calls out in us what he created us to be. And I have a story that I want to share with you that happened this week with my daughter that really gave me the fullness of this picture. And so my sweet Charlie, she's almost 10, and um, we sat down in parent-teacher conferences, and we sat down, and the teacher goes, oh, Charlie, she's whimsical. That was the word that she used to describe, which is a perfect word for Charlie. Um, but along with the whimsy comes some other realities, right? We all have our strengths and weaknesses. And so we started to talk about how Charlie has a hard time keeping her cubby clean, and she leaves things all over the classroom. And, you know, those are some things we've actually been trying to work on this year. But it was another reminder for me and Joe to go, oh, we need to practice at home, you know, so that becomes a habit. 
Well, fast forward to the weekend. Joe was gone for the weekend, and his love language is a clean house. That's not my love language, but I love him, so I'll do it. Actually, where Charlie gets her whimsy and her tornado, like, it's okay. I'm working on it. Um, so I'm like, kids, Papa loves a clean house. Let's clean the house. And so they're cleaning their room on Saturday, and now we're into Sunday, and Joe's coming home, and I ask, God forbid I ask you to empty the dishwasher. So I asked Charlie, I need you to empty the dishwasher. I'm tired. I've been working so hard, and I need a break. And like all this stuff started. You know, We're a little adverse to the chores. And I just, I did not handle it very well at first at all. I was like, excuse me. Me and Papa work so hard all the time. You think we feel like emptying the dishwasher? Like, I totally did. I tried to have an adult conversation with a 10-year-old, and it was so bad. And I finally got to the point where we're just so, like, when, when you write, with Charlie, too, I've learned that if you get aggressive, she just gets aggressive. She just, like, puffs up. It doesn't help. So finally, it was just like, well, just go to your room. And so she was in her room, and I'm sitting there at the kitchen sink, and I'm scrubbing dishes, and I'm like, God, what am I going to do with her? She's, you know, not, like, taking responsibility, and she's not, you know, like, all this stuff. And really, actually, usually what it comes down to is that I feel guilty about my own parenting. <laughs> Anybody ever had that? Where you're like, oh, maybe she's, you know, anyway. So I was, like, going down this rabbit hole, and he so gently reminded me. I loved this so much. He's like, you call out in her what you see for her in the future. You tell her the, where you want her to rise to the occasion and what that's going to look like. Like, speak it into existence. And so I love this, too, because have you guys ever noticed, like, if we speak to kids like, you never and you shouldn't, even us, we'll rise to that occasion. We can focus on those things, and we will certainly go there. But if somebody calls out, which, like, what God does to us is, I don't see the rough. I see how I originally created you to be, and I'm calling that out on you. And so I went up to her room, and I dropped my attitude, and she kept hers, which was fine. Um, and we sat down, and, you know, we just, I just started saying, you know what's going to happen, Charlie? Mama and Papa are here to train you so that these habits change. It's our job. I love you too much to let you continue in this behavior. And we're going to practice. And then I started to say, because in a year from now, in two years from now, in three years from now, we're going to sit down in a parent-teacher conference, and your teacher's going to say, I am so grateful for Charlie. She keeps our, our classroom clean. She keeps her cubby clean. Like, I am so, I'm so honored to have her in my class. Because there's other things that Charlie does amazing that she brings joy to the classroom for sure. But we want to work towards that. And she started going, well, I don't see how I, and I said, no, this is what it's going to be. And you will arise to that occasion because we're going to train you to do that. But this is who I see you as, not, oh, if you could just get your stuff together. Does God ever speak to us like that? If you ever hear that, that's not him. He doesn't speak to us in that way. Would you just get it together? That sounds like the accuser to me. Who's the accuser? Yeah, not our Lord who loves us. All right, amen, okay. Um, so he did what he came to do is he came so that you were so convinced that you were a daughter of the king, that you were so utterly convinced of your sonship and you understood that he loved you first. You're not trying to earn that. 
Have you guys ever, um, some of you may know this already, I just love repeating it because I think it's so amazing, thinking of the word save, like when it says Jesus saved us. You guys know what that word is in the Greek? Come on, I know somebody knows. You guys remember? Thank you, sozo. <laughs> My crew over there. Sozo. So it doesn't just mean that he saved us from hell. When you translate the word sozo, the Greek word, it actually means he came to save you, yes. He came to rescue you from danger or destruction. And I often think that that's my own doing. He came to make you whole. He came to heal you. And we saw Jesus heal all the time. He came to preserve you. He came to keep you safe and sound. Amen? So it's not just this. We micro-focus on the sin aspect. We're missing something. It's a part of the puzzle, but it's not all of it, not even close. What Jesus came to do, essentially, is restore us to the original plan. You guys know the story about the Garden of Eden? Yes. So you guys have heard of Adam and Eve, right? Um, they're popular. Uh, or not. Ooh. Um, but they had a very free relationship in the garden, a very free relationship with the Father. There were no barriers. You guys, they walked with him every day. That's amazing. Wouldn't you? I cannot wait for that day. That's going to be sweet. But we have a good thing going, too. Um, but before, so we'll just, I also want to say this. So before we say yes to Jesus, right, he is the way, the truth, and the life, life, right? So there's a barrier there, just like when sin entered the world, there was a barrier. And I, I'm, I'm sorry I don't have it up here, so I'm just going to read it. It's Colossians 1.21. This was a last-minute edition. You're welcome. Um, and although, it says, and at, though at one time, and that though you were at one time estranged and alienated and hostile-minded towards him, towards the Father, participating in evil things, that's before we say yes to Jesus. But when we say yes to Jesus, this is the reality. Are you ready? Yet Christ has now, right now, reconciled you to God in his physical body through death in order to present you before the Father holy and blameless and beyond reproach. So what are you now? Blameless. So, you guys, I think it's more about the cross revealing our value when we say yes to him than it is about it revealing our sin. We need that moment to realize we have a need for a savior. But when we're on the other side of that and we've said yes to him, that's a different story. So, and I've been thinking about this even in a practical way when I mess up, you know, it's so easy to get tangled up in the condemnation. But you know what? I think it's even more important to speak out what he says over us, that I am blameless in your sight. God, thank you. I'm so sorry I did that, but thank you that I'm righteous and that you've put a new heart in me, that before this day I wouldn't have cared what I did and now I care. We, it frees us in a way that I think being too focused on the sin nature, which was before knowing him, can hold us back. You guys following me? All right, amen. Thank you. So we accept that invitation. It's so beautiful. So the cross is revealing your value. What he paid for you is what he believes you're worth. And if it were just you, he would have done it all over again. So I think it's good to remember that first, I have another verse. Sorry, guys, it's not up here. First John 1 John 1.29, it says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He already took your sin. It's done. It's over. So sin is not as much of an issue as it is identity. When you are a son and a daughter, that is your identity. So identi we have an identity crisis. 
We have it in the church and outside of the church. And that's why we act the way that we act. It's because we don't know whose we are. We don't know who we are. And that's what causes us to mess up. All the mistakes that we make come out of that position of, I don't know who I am. I don't know my value to him. Okay, so we're going back to the word. And you guys, I actually, we're going to go to verse 19, and we're going to do my favorite translation. I saved you for part of it, so yeah. I saved you for part of it, but Amplified, I think, gives the fullness of the scripture. When we translated the Bible, it was really hard to get the fullness of the words in our very simple language. So I like the Amplified. We're going to look at verse 19 in the Amplified now. You are awesome. Thank you, Dave. And that you may come to know, practically through personal experience, the love of Christ. So hang on. How do we know the love of Christ? Through what? Personal experiences with him? Okay, that's how we know the love of Christ. We're going to get, we're going to get, we're going to get, we're going to get it. It's going to be good. Okay, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. So I have a question. Um, if I wanted to know more about a celebrity or a famous person in history, and I'll just use one because I love Abraham Lincoln. I liked, I like learning about him. So if I read about him and I understand his triumphs, I understand his low points, I see his habits, I see how his relationship was with his wife, and I know all these things through reading about him, do I personally have a relationship with Abraham Lincoln? That'd be silly, right? So there's a difference. There's a difference. We can have time in the Word. We can even check off our evangelical devotional every day and not really experience seeing the face of Jesus. And you guys, I feel like I've been like, what? And those experiences are what transforms us. So no wonder we feel like we're hitting our head up against the wall and we're like, why can't I just, why can't I just, and the enemy's having a field day, which he shouldn't even have any time of day for us. Okay? So because of our experiences with Jesus and his love, we're going to move on into verse 19, the rest of the verse. That you may be filled up throughout your being to all the fullness of God, so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your lives. Anybody else want that? Completely filled and flooded with God himself. Yes. So here we go. Time spent with him, like really spent with him, like the person of Jesus. And it, Okay, and I'll say this too. So this kind of negates some confusion. So who did we get when Jesus went up to heaven as our helper? The Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, the word says we commune with God through spirit and through truth. We have the word, which is true. And the spirit who lives in you, when you say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you. And this is how we communicate. He's our helper in communication. Does that make sense? Okay, so we have those times. Somebody's texting you, Joe. Just kidding. It's all good. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so there's time spent. Oh my gosh, Tony, stop it. Um, there's time spent, which equals experiences with him. And when we have these experiences with, with him, we grow in trust with him. And I'm going to say my, one of my favorite quotes. Marlene's here. <laughs> you gave me this great quote, or a great understanding of. Uh, Marlene told me one day that you can only trust someone as much as you know you're loved by them. Whoa, isn't that so true? So if I know and I grow deeper in my love with the Father and I understand his love for me, do you think I'll grow in trusting him? 
Do you think anxiety has a place? The fear that I had, it's gone. Praise God, it's awesome. So, okay, so we have time spent with him, experiences with him, we're growing in trust. Those experiences with him dictate, like, we get his truth and his love growing on the inside of us. That's what naturally happens when we stare at his face. So his truth and his love are growing in us, and then guess what? We don't just experience love, we become it. Just like Jesus was love, just like our Father is love, we don't just experience it for a moment, we turn into it, because it's filled with the fullness of God is turning into love. And it happens pretty effortlessly when we are looking at the right thing. Okay, I didn't, oh, I don't have my board. No? That's okay. Um, sorry, you guys, I totally forgot out I was going to draw you a picture. It's going to be great. Yeah, yay! I know, aren't you all excited? It's not that um, Unless, can we put up the image? You got it? Sorry, guys, we should have just done that. So we're going to talk about, um, we're going to look at a shape. It's a triangle. It's not about the shape. Um, here it is. Oh, yay. Okay, so right here we have the top, right, is this the first part. So we have our father, who's our relationship, our covenant. We have a covenant with him when we say yes to Jesus, right? So we have direct access to the Father because of Jesus. Isn't that awesome? We can come boldly in front of the throne of God. It's so cool. So that's our start. So here, I got this up relationship with him. And then that leads me into forming my identity. Who are you? Amen. Sons and daughters. So that forms my identity. So we're going in this direction, this direction, not that direction. So... I know I'm communing with him. My identity is getting secure as a daughter. And then out of that place, I'm not forcing myself to do something. I just naturally want to obey because out of that relationship. Um, and I often think about it as we produce fruit of many kinds. We are like trees. Rooted and grounded in love produce some pretty great fruit, right? It produces fruit of love, joy, peace. Like we have it on the inside of us when we choose to acknowledge that we have it. So that naturally happens. Have you ever met a tree that was straining to grow a fruit? They're like in the forest. They're like, ooh, we got to make this apple. <laughs> they know that, that that tree is rooted in the right place. They know their identity, and they just produce the fruit, right? So here's what we often do is we can go opposite of this. And this is where, uh, unfortunately, a lot of us do this, is that we go, I need to obey, I need to be good, I need to do the right thing, and then maybe I can, maybe I can find myself in, in my do, what I've done. I can be founded in my accomplishments, or I think identity is interesting. It could be accomplishments. It could be addiction. It could be um, how, my standing with people, right? Our identity is found in a lot of different places. So we go backwards. We go, I'm going to try to obey to find my identity, and then I can present myself to the Father. That is so backwards, you guys. But we do it because we don't know his way. And his way is come to me, bury your face in my chest. I don't care what you've done. I see your potential, and I'm going to call that out in you. That's good stuff. Anybody? Woohoo! All right. 
All right, so being rooted and grounded in love through his, our personal experiences with him result in good fruit. Okay. So I have a question. If you are filled with the fullness of God, what, what do you think would happen? What do you think would be like a natural result of that? I think that you might shine like a city on a hill, right? Amen. Salt to the earth. You know what I like to think about? I like to think about I'm so full and I'm so bursting at the seams of the fullness of God because that's what he says. I'm not proclaiming that about myself. He wants that if I understand who I am in him. And I carry, when you say yes to Jesus, you guys carry the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. What? That is amazing. It's not my doing, but it resides on the inside of me and I get to give that away. So I like to think of it like I'm so bursting at the seams with the, I'm full of the goodness of God that I might accidentally leak on people. It just might happen, right? That's what we want. That's so good. So um, interesting. I think I made this through a lot quicker than I thought I was going to, which is good. We have some room for the Holy Spirit. So good. So if you're filled and flooded with God himself, do you think you'll hear his voice? I think the biggest barrier, one of the biggest barriers is ourselves, like thinking that maybe he doesn't want to speak to me. Because we do not understand that he's already forgiven everything and we can just approach him as if we hadn't done anything wrong. And believing that, I think we have to ask ourselves, do I believe he wants to do that in my life? Can I let him in enough that I allow his love to transform me and not have to qualify myself before that? Okay. So I think we're going to just have some time. I'm going to walk you guys. We're, gonna, we're just going to let all that goodness sink in. Thanks for listening. <laughs> I'm going to call the worship team up, and then we're going to pray, okay? Yeah, we'll see. You just, we'll see. Thank you. All right, Father God, we're just going to present our hearts totally to you. We know that you know all that goes on inside. You know, we know that you understand the narrative of our life. And Holy Spirit, you are our teacher, and you love us. And we just ask for you right now to reveal to us if there's any walls that we've built or barriers that we've created that haven't allowed your love to penetrate in the way that we can be confident in and grow in. I thank you that you've come to make us righteous. We have been made righteous and whole. And that we don't have to wait for us to get to any certain place before we get to step into the calling that you have set for us as sons and daughters and unknowing of that. Before we did anything right, you chose us. Before we had done anything. We thank you for your goodness and we're just going to give you space right now to speak and do what you're good at. And tell us what you think about us reveal to us how you see us
Spirit, so I'm just gonna share this. If this is for you, great. If it's not, just leave it. Um, I think it's important to talk about, you guys can just keep bowing your heads, being quiet with him. If you're having a moment with him, continue in that moment. Um, I think it's important for us to understand the difference between our feelings and the truth. Those are two different things. Uh, don't judge me, but I tell my kids all the time in certain situations, not in all situations, because feelings are valid in some, but in some they're not. And sometimes I will tell them, I don't really care about your feelings right now because those feelings are lying to you. And I love you too much to let you wallow in self-pity, to let you wade in the overwhelming waves of fear. And I just, if anybody here needs to hear that, like the truth is the truth no matter what you feel. If you feel he's present with you or not present with you, that's what we were talking about with faith. He is, the word says he is with you, he never leaves you. That is truth. He has set you apart and made you righteous. That is the truth. No matter what you feel, truth is truth. So I just encourage you to speak the truth over your life, not the reality in your experience in your life, but your reality in your experience with him and what the word says about you.